back to the punt return podcast. Uh, you would have heard over the last day or so uh, betting review of the season so far and where things are at heading into Super Bowl week. Uh, we're going to look at a bit of the season that has been from a football perspective. We've been lucky enough to have James Rosewarn from Stats Insider join us once again. And as always, I'm joined by Ryan Lepore. Lepper, the season that was, there have been some surprises. There have been some disappointments. I think we can all agree, probably the three of us, on the Dolphins as one of the major disappointments of the season, but also the second half of their season as a surprise, given what we saw out of the first eight weeks of their year. Surprises, disappointments, big performance. What have, what have you guys, let's start with you, Lepa, those, those elements of the season. What's gotten you talking this year? Well, you've, you've kind of alluded to some other issues at the Dolphins that have surprised us, I suppose, in the last 24 to 48 hours, but that we might save that for our next talking point. But certainly the biggest surprise, obviously, is the Cincinnati Bengals being the feel-good story. I suppose the whole season in terms of um, what they've really become and, and being a, a four-win team last year, being the worst team in probably the arguably the, the strongest conference, in uh, strongest division, I should say, in the, in the league and, and flipping that from worst to first is an amazing result and, and obviously not just settling with that but going all the way to the, to the Super Bowl and, and now a chance to win. The, the franchise's first ever. So it'd be pretty special if, if they can do it. And, and Joe Burrow would obviously become the first player to win a Super Bowl, a Heisman and a national championship. So, and he, he's done that. He could all do that within three years, which is just phenomenal to think about. So, uh, look, that's certainly the biggest surprise. One of the, the greatest disappointments, I think, especially in the AFC, the way the Colts kind of headed out towards the end of the season. And, and of course, the Browns. We were really never in the hunt and never looked likely after being touted as one of the, the Super Bowl favourites at, at the start of the season, let alone uh, to win their division in the AFC. So, yeah, they're, they're certainly up there as one of my biggest disappointments. The other ones, uh, my former team, the Washington Commanders, they were, <laughs> they were pretty disappointing all season. Uh, they, they had a little bit of a, um, a nice stretch in the, in the later part of the season, but, yeah, ultimately they were, they were really disappointing and, and one of the... Yeah, one of the biggest disappointments uh, in the NFC and, and the NFL in total. Now, James, before before I ask you about your uh, surprises, disappointments, etc., for the year, I think that's a really good segue, Lepper. Now, you've been a very outspoken fan, probably the Washington football team's biggest fan over the course of this year, <laughs> uh, is probably putting it lightly. Now, you have a big announcement to make, and, and we've briefly mentioned it on Twitter. We briefly alluded to it in the last episode. Now you have an announcement to Washington football team, Washington commander fans and the franchise. You have an announcement to make. Do you want to, uh, the floor is yours, mate. All right. To all my loyal Washington commanders fans, I'm sorry, but it wasn't meant to be. And I'm jumping <laughs> ship. I'm part of officially part of build mafia. Uh, now there's a bit of a piss take here I mean anyone who's listened over the course of the year knows that's a bit of a piss take because I think at no stage over the course of this year has Ryan even saying early on the year that he was a nominal Washington fan I think almost every week he's essentially been a Bills fan and so it's not really a surprise I gave him an opening a couple of weeks ago to say if you want to move (laughs) Now is probably the time. They're rebranding. They've gone through this whole Snyder thing and, you know, the Redskins and blah, blah, blah. If you want to, if you want to move, now is the time to do it. If you want to make yeah, the move, do it now. Because if you wait another Sinking few shit. weeks, it's going to be too late. You can't do it if you wait too long. Now is the time to do it. And he's finally made the move. He's a Bills fan. How are you feeling about the change? Is it... Uh, Excellent. Free. Feeling good. The, <laughs> lo- the, the weight of my shoulder, the shoulders, the commanders of finally lifted off me but no look it, it was um i've never really had an allegiance to the team but I, i've certainly fallen in love with the bills over the last two seasons um and, and their quarterback of course so i feel like i connect with the bills they've had a lot of um you know um 
close misses, I suppose, in the big dance, which, um, you know, really relates to me. And I think that that Bill's Mafia would be a lot of fun to be a part of. So um, I'm also loving the bromance between Josh Allen and Daniel Ricciardo, who's one of my other favourite athletes. So, yeah, I'm all in on the Bills now. And, uh, you know, there's no one else in that division that's worth um, going for. And, and really, I hate the Patriots. I hate the Jets. Dolphins are, you know, they're, they're a mid-team. So let's, let's the jump on the Bills and, and uh, yeah, let's let's ride them home. And, and hopefully there's a few good seasons to come with the Mafia. Now, if, if someone had told me that someone's going to drop their Australian football team, their AFL team, and that you're know, after years of following that team, they're going to switch teams. I would have gone, "You're fucking joking, right?" <laughs> and you're off the show. But I'm I'm all for this. I'm all for this move. I'm right on it, James. How do you feel about taking a team through the course of a season and then dropping them? Well, if the, if you've got enough mitigating factors that go into it. Which I, there are plenty in Washington. Well, it's, it's Washington, right? Like this is it's, <laughs> it, it, this is like one of the biggest soap operas NFL teams of all time. Like it's have we ever known a period of Washington football that hasn't been just absolute mayhem and and drama and chaos and lack of success. <laughs> like there was that one RG three period. That was, like, that was when I felt that's when I jumped on James and, and I've never been a team, uh, you know, I had no family connection to any of the American teams. I've never had the um, the joy of going to an NFL game live, unfortunately, on some of the states within their summer. So I haven't got to see a game live. So that, that has, there's all these other factors. And the, the reason I jumped on Washington was the fact that I really loved RG3 out of college and, and jumped on there. And since I've just had to be stick with them because you know you have to stick with your team. But in this circumstance, in the US market, there's players jumping all over the ship. There's 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 fans always jumping ship. I'm I'm going to stick with the, stick back with the Bills now, and I'll call that for the rest of my life. I won't jump again. And I do remember as a kid, and I don't know whose ball it was, but my brother and I both had little um, soft toys of American gridiron balls. One of us had a Cowboys ball, and one of us had a Bills ball. And I can't remember who's the who's. So I'm going to say that mine was, mine was the Bills, and I've been a Bills fan since I was a kid. But um, maybe because it sounded like a Buffalo Bill, I don't know. But um, I'm, I'm sticking fat with the Bills, and, and I think I have a good right to jump off because of the, the mitigating circumstances that you boys have just mentioned. Bit of uh, revisionist history, I reckon, there. <laughs> but uh, I, this, this show has some uh, overarching themes over the last few years, at least since I've been on this show, and, and we've had... Josh Y and Tom Brady. We've had Josh Y and Peyton Manning. We've had James Rosewarn and Brian Burns. We've had a number of trending topics you could call them on this show over the years. And now we've got Ryan Lapore and the Washington football team and Ryan Lapore and the Buffalo Bills. So I reckon in 12 months we regroup and and see how that relationship is going with both of those franchises and see how he's feeling about the move. Because once you've made the move, you can't then go back. That's of course not. No, you can and make I, one I move. I reckon you get leeway to make one move in your life and you can do it once across all the sports that you follow. You can't do it once per sport. You can't, it's not once per no, go. It's once per lifetime. You can make a move and this is your move. Yep. Sticking so we're, we're, we're going to catch up. On any, yeah, well, it, it, we're going to catch up again and see how this is going. Probably in six months, preseason, you know, next year, and then at the end of next season, see how that's going. But let's uh, let's keep going because we spent far too long on the Washington football. James about to fall asleep. Let's let's keep moving. It. Come on. Yep. Let's keep moving. Um, <laughs> look, we've touched on the Miami Dolphins, and clearly there were some issues in that franchise. Clearly, I, I think both you and I, Ryan, expected more out of the Dolphins this season. Uh, they were, I think, for both of us, kind of the big movers this preseason. Um, clearly, I mean, one and eight is a disappointment. The way they finished the season, obviously very promising. They then went on to sack their head coach in Brian Flores, who I thought nobody saw coming. At the end of the season, halfway through the season, sure. But at the end of the season, no one saw coming. And what we've seen in the last 24, 48 hours has been 
Explosive is probably putting it lightly. I mean, this is this is blowing up the NFL. James, you, I know where you stand on uh, head coaches and, and the trends that we've seen in head coaching appointments. I know, I think I know how you feel on the Rooney rule in general. I think we're pretty much on the same page on that. Brian Flores and Miami are probably are now two separate topics, but a, where do you sit on the Dolphins? Where are they at? And how do you feel on what Brian Flores is doing to the NFL right now? Specifically Miami. Okay. We saw the massive second half turnaround, making up for all their sins, making this massive charge towards the playoffs. Weirdly within that, we don't have amazing metrics to analyze a coach to know, okay, how is a coach performing this, that, and the other? One of the areas that we can assess a coach on is improvement through a year. What's happening? Is he making adjustments in-game? Is he making adjustments through the course of the season? Brian Flores picks, ticks those boxes. Yeah. The, the defensive improvements for that Dolphin team in the second half, the first half of the year, they had one game when they kept opponents to less than 20 points. The second half of the season, that happened six times. Mm drastic improvements across the board. Everybody, you, when you're one seven or whatever they were at, you, you can be forgiven for the whole team quitting and everybody jumps out to rally that group and get them to the cusp of the playoffs, which would have been a phenomenal story. says everything about Brian Flores, like, which speaks again, which is the segue into what's happened and Brian Flores effectively throwing a grenade, a desperately needed grenade into a very, very unsavory situation uh, regarding hiring practices in the NFL is huge. It is is one of the biggest stories I've ever seen, one of the most desperately needed stories. And where this comes and everything like that from it, we'll see. Uh, uh, Over the last couple of days, you keep on hearing a lot of discussions and podcasts and articles about listening and having a conversation and i just think god how many times have we done this we do we're it past it. surely we're past that and we the, do the this conversation as well exactly yeah. we are we're past it nick yes yeah sorry we no, are no, i was just gonna say you know like you said all those you know the twitter comments we're ready for a conversation we're ready no. for a discussion we're past that we are we, we and we have to be past that right i mean in a vacuum, you look at the Miami Dolphins this year, this season. No team in NFL history has lost seven games straight and then won seven games straight. Mm. Has it has not happened before? And the reason that they won, the reason they lost seven games straight, the reason they were one and seven after eight weeks. Yes, there is blame to be attributed to the head coach. It has to be. At the same time. Yeah, they had their best season in a number of years last year under Brian Flores. They went what, 10 and uh 10 and 7, 10 and 8 last year. Yeah, and and really should have been a playoff team last year and just missed out. Like they were a bubble bursting from the playoffs last year. And I think we all expected on the back of that defense taking the next step this season that they were going to be a playoff team or thereabouts again. Yeah, 10 win team, 11 win team this season. And they weren't there in the first half of the year. But what they did, like you said, James, that improvement over the second half of the season to go from one and seven to then win seven in a row and, again, be right on the cusp of a playoff. But forgetting everything else, to go from one seven to a bee's dick away from a playoff berth is phenomenal. And... It's not like they had a massive change in fortune in terms of injury. It was not like they had a big player come back. It's not like, you know, they they brought in a new star QB at the trade deadline. It's n- none of that happened. It was going back to what the bedrock of that franchise has been built on over the last few years, which is defense. And we expected the Miami Dolphins defense to be the bedrock of everything they did this season. It wasn't in that first half. And they went back to that and all of a sudden they went back to that team that we expected them to be. You Imagine if they had that all year. I mean, we're not talking about an eight-win team. We're not talking about a 10-win team. We're talking about a 14-win team, a 15-win team. If you've got an entire season 
of that Miami Dolphins. And you're talking about a division title. You're talking about a conference win, a conference championship game, and a Super Bowl berth at that level. When you're talking about 14, 15 win franchises, you're talking about Super Bowl appearances. And that's the level that Miami ultimately, forgetting the offense, defensively, that's where they were at in the second half of the season and where we expected them to be over the course of the season. So for them to go from that to sacking Brian Flores, that in itself was an explosion that we didn't see coming. And now what's come out over the last few weeks and and last few days, Ryan, from a Flores-specific perspective, he's obviously a decent coach. At the very worst, he's a decent coach. At best, he's an excellent coach. Mm. What has transpired over the last two days may have torpedoed his entire coaching career. Where do you see Brian Flores? And then off the back of that, how do you see the Miami Dolphins now as opposed to, let's say, a week ago? Yeah, well, one of the reasons they had that successful run, I think, as well, is, is part to do with their schedule. I mean, they played a lot of weaker teams in that second half of the season, but they they ultimately were better on defence, and that, that was proof of the pudding, the way they were shutting down teams. And um, their offence needs a rejig, but I don't think that's Brian Flores is, was, is why he was mandated, why he was sacked. Essentially, the reason why was relationships and, and things like that. That was, the, that was the word that kept coming out. And, and now it probably comes to light why those relationships were strained or, you know, in the, in the front office or whatever because of the tanking allegations, essentially, that he was being offered money to, to throw games and to get higher in the draft pool and, and things like that. And, yeah, it's, it's really damning on Miami who's, yeah, it's... it's Who's such a, it's such a multicultural, you know, um, city as well. And, and it, it's really damning on, on, a, on, a, on a franchise that have been pretty um, clean cut, I suppose, in, in, in the past. And, and it certainly probably paints them in a different light. And I'm sure the, a lot of the NFL world may not be thinking differently of the Miami Dolphins. And, yeah, it, it's an interesting one because Ryan Flores should certainly have a head coaching job in the NFL whether it's with Miami or one of the other teams that still have some vacancies. And like you said, he might have torpedoed his whole career, but yeah, good on him. And, and, and he has every right to, to do what he's done. And I think, you know, the only way we're going to see changes is, is action like this. So I'm sure he has all the support of um, not only the African-American uh, community, but most of the NFL are probably with him in terms of the, um, the new school, I should say, like, might be the right wrong term, but mm. I think yeah, it, it's about time the NFL had a really good hard look at this and, and uh, you know some change hopefully transpired from it. But I, I think Miami have dug themselves a huge hole, uh, and there's going to be a lot of um, you know PR work to get out of this, and and, and a lot of um, yeah. Let's just hope they for their sake they hire a very 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 good next head coach because like I said, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work to try and build back that reputation that, you know, or any um, respect that they, they might have lost from this, this whole incident. Well, if you expect nothing else out of the NFL is that you expect a lot of PR work and they're going to be working overtime over the next few weeks, I imagine. And, and the word out of the NFL, as, as we record now, is that they give this lawsuit and these allegations no merit which is amazing that it took them, I think it was less than three hours to come up with that, with that statement that there is no merit, no merit to these allegations, which is incredible given the type of allegations that, that are, uh, are being made. Um, James, you look back a couple of years to a late season clash between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins and the allegations from Brian Flores that he was paid up to 100K per loss and the fact that he hated that and the Dolphins came back and won that game and, and you look back at that game as the Joe Burrow game. Um, how do you rate the performance of the Dolphins franchise since then? 
Well, as you said, it was 10-6 last year and have just missed the playoffs this year as well. Okay, so that's two really good years with, again, the talent's not blowing anybody away in that team. It's not many offensive weapons and good talent on defence. I think it's been a phenomenally good coaching effort by Brian Flores. If they were looking for a coach right now, Brian Flores is probably their best candidate out there, right? Like, yeah. it, it's one of these things where it was a complete head script, genuinely a jaw dropper that he got sacked because we were hearing pre-hire that Brian Flores would be a great guy. Like he'd been in a New England system for 20 years. Yeah. Belichick has so much trust in him, great defensive mind, gets the job in Miami. And unlike everybody else, every other Belichick disciple, right? It was actually really good. And you could see that trajectory going. You mm. could see a weakened AFC East. You could have you could see Miami, who were kind of Washington-esque in terms of their lack of relevance, having something. And you could see, and Brian Flores was probably the most dynamic personality within that building. You know, like you could see the start of something really emerging and not to pick him where unfortunately Mike Tomlin is so often dragged out mm. because he's pretty much the only black head coach out there. Yeah. And, and I guess, I guess what I'm saying is to, to be that magnet, magnetic personality, the pressure on these guys to be that person Anyway, right, you get the job and everybody's looking at you. And often the jobs that they're getting are at failed franchises to Mm. start out with, right? They're not plum jobs. They're not these beautiful quarterback situations that so many other guys fall into. So whether this tracks back to the Rooney rule itself, which I think in its formation was a kind of admirable endeavour generations ago 20 years ago 25 30 years ago it made sense right now it's been taken the piss out of and teams and it's embarrassing and you can see and we saw this with what happened with the giants probably and it's what's happened in houston as well with flores it's potentially happened just right now with minnesota yeah and it's this is this is that's probably the most shameful aspect of it that the franchises are it, it, it's the hideous aspect. And I think anybody, anybody whatsoever can see the NFL and see their labor force and then see it reflected from a coaching perspective. It's, it's quite, it's quite sickening. It's probably the most uncomfortable thing from a fan perspective, at least from mm-hmm. my perspective about the NFL. Yeah. Um, that definitely needs to change like desperately. It, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, why it's there. You, in, in your soul, you understand why the Rooney rule is there, right? It's so blatantly obvious. And yet the fact that it's there is sickening almost. Yeah. Like it's disgusting. And yeah. you can see you can see that franchises, that uh, owners and whatever, I mean, we, we don't need to go into it because so many Publishers, broadcasters, podcasts have gone into detail on the, on this topic, but you understand, like, it's so obvious why a franchise like a Denver or a New York Giants, whatever, do what they do because they're allowed to. They're almost forced to do it, and it's mm. it's so disheartening and disenfranchising, and and you understand why so many people would turn off the NFL because of it. It, it, the fact that it's there, like you said, James, is, is admirable. And, and the, the theory, the concept behind it back then makes sense from a logical perspective. But from an emotional perspective, I think it's really difficult to understand and to agree with. Um, and and I'm, I don't profess to have all the answers. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. I don't have a resolution but it's really disappointing that the NFL doesn't have a better solution to this. It comes down to ownership, right? Like this is all coming down to the 32 owners. We, I mean, the thing is probably, you know, what the stupidest thing is that we're surprised that this keeps happening in terms of the behaviours repeated over and over again from yeah. the owner. But we saw through the Kaepernick situation. We saw through Black Lives Matters situation. Like it's why, why, why do we expect that? 
change to happen. I'm not excusing it, but it it it, it compounds yeah. it. And because you expect, because society changes and society develops, and so you expect that these major and looking at the NFL as a societal organization, you expect that mm. to mirror society. And even looking at the NFL as a corporation, you expect them to develop in the same, even if it's slightly slower than society, it still develops, but it doesn't, it's disheartening that it, it hasn't seemed to match that even at the lowest end of the expectation doesn't mirror society. And, and, you know, it's that same thing because it matters as well. That's the thing. It matters. The representation matters across the board. You know, the message that that sends at every step of the way and the message that it actually is sending that doesn't really matter. It's not going to happen. They're going to do the same hiring practice over and over and over again. I wouldn't even begin to imagine how that feels, how deflating that is, especially for guys who are on the cusp of these jobs over and over and over and over again such as, you know, it must be maddening for Brian Flores. That's the tip of the iceberg there. Um, there's, there's a few. There's a few sure. that have been on the cusp for a number of years. For sure. Like Raheem Morris who's going for this job now. Like what Todd Bowles had achieved as well over his yeah. course as a, as a coordinator. Set up. Which... Yeah. Like it's just, it goes on and on. It, it's not Eric through the lack of, Yeah, it's. Yeah. Well, why isn't Eric Bennett? Anyway, like we could go on with these kind of things. And is it, does it come down to owners wanting, like I heard someone say recently, you know, did I, is it just, this is who they think they'd like to have a beer with and mm. relax with. And I just think that is so myopic as well. Like it's, again, are you looking at yourself? Like what, it just doesn't seem to be a path to get better as a franchise at any level as well. Like mm. this level of comfort, apparent comfort through yeah. picking, selecting like people who look like you or I don't know. It's just, yeah. I don't uh, know. Look, I, it, it's, it's disheartening. And, and I think none, none of us are racism experts. None of us are, are, are that person. I mean, we don't have the answers. Um, other to say than from from the outside looking in, it's disheartening. It's disappointing, um, and I wish it wasn't the way that it is. I, I don't have the answers. Uh, I guess on a lighter note, as much as you can make this topic lighter, the Bill Belichick Brian Flores text exchange. Mm. Without going into too much time, let's say. Couple of word answer. Accident, deliberate. Bill Belichick, does he have accidents? Does he do things like that deliberately to make a point? Where do you stand on the, the Belichick Flores text exchange? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I thought it was a deliberate point to try and maybe expose um, some of the, the shortcomings of the, of the NFL. Um, but he did it in a way to make it look like an accident. I mean, it, you can you can really read it how you want to decipher it, and it's really tough over over a text message, as we know, to <laughs> decipher that kind of that sort of the, the tone behind it. But I, I think it was more of a deliberate act to, to try and support his his long term friend. Um, so let's hope it was that, and he wasn't part of the problem. I suppose if it was an accident, because. Um, you know, the finger has to be pointed at him if, if, if it is turned out that he actually was and it wasn't. You know, it's, you know that whole boys club, gym, um, you know, of, you know, let's, oh, we, we hide this guy, let's, 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 you know, do it and talk about him in our circles and, and, and then keep the outsiders on the outside and, you know, because you're close with him, you can text him or whatever. So, yeah, it, it just thinks of that. So let's, let's hope it wasn't. Um, a deliberate ploy and he's trying to expose some of the, like I said, the shortcomings of um, the hiring process and, and the NFL. James? Yeah, I kind of assumed it was sort of a, you know, a geriatric mistake in a way. Like I'd imagine, I, I do, I think that's a fascinating angle there, Ryan. I genuinely do. Like I kind of thought, okay, that's a, that is a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, and I, I'd love to think that 
that you're right. I'd love to think yeah. that Belichick did do that. At the same time, I'm sure Belichick, you know, is was really close with Brian Flores, as he would be Brian Dable, right? Um, and it would be, and I thought it was kind of something kind of nice to have that connection with your assistants. It's like, oh, well, good luck. You're hiring it. And I'm sure it was a shock to everybody. I'm sure I wouldn't even imagine how it felt for Flores, right, to know, like, what? I'm, I'm going to this interview and he's already got it. Um, it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a, it, like going again to the Flores thing. I think the ha- most heartbreaking thing was hearing about the Denver situation of the, the Alway yeah. accusation. Um, that, that's just, I thought that was just phenomenally revolting, the idea that, come on, you know, you roll up an hour, an hour and a half late to a meeting and you're all drunk, five, four or five white guys rocking up not giving him the time of day. Like, I just think that's sickening. And this would be a story that would happen across the board, I'm sure. Like, I wonder how often that is happening. Um, mm. It's a mess. It's, a, it's, I just, I don't know how it will get resolved. I mean, I was circling back. Yeah, I think that's how it felt. It felt deflating. <laughs> Sorry to the jump into the, the Flategate stuff of New England. It just really <laughs> did. It just felt like because we live in a bit of a fiction in some respects and we enjoy all the how great these playoffs have been and then we get this reminder of how messed up it actually all is um, and how impenetrable and yuck. Now, I was going to keep talking about this subject, but James... Yeah. It's past your bedtime, so we've got to keep moving. Yes. Deflate gate. Yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah. Segway. Yeah. Perfection. Now, we have a question from Josh Y. Now, Josh Y has been on this show for a very, very long time. This is his yeah. show. Yeah. We've taken over his show, and, and he was on this podcast this season, actually, while I was away. Um, Tom Brady finally confirmed his retirement from the game of NFL from American football. The question from Josh Y is, can you be labeled the greatest of all time if you've only been the first team all pro three times over the course of 22 years? Now, there's obviously (laughs) other issues as part of this conversation, but in a vacuum, the question is valid. Is it not? This is, comes back to our um, coach of the year type things. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the criteria? Who's voting on this stuff? Do people get bored? What's the competition? How do we evaluate all this? I think, to me, what Brady did for 20 years, come on. It was outrageous. It was phenomenal mm-hmm. to do it at 44, to do it with that level of lack of athleticism, you know, mm-hmm. To do it with seemingly not phenomenal uh, offensive talent across the 20 years as well. It's not like he was just churning out amazing skill players. Well, and it's not as if he had Gronk and Julian Edelman the entire time, right? No, he, he didn't. He didn't. I think I think Josh knows in his cold, cold heart. <laughs> I mean, I'm no, I'm no patriot lifer in the in the least at yeah. all. You know, I've won and lost money on Brady over the years. Yeah. The end of the day, I don't think anybody even comes within a hair's breadth. Well, you know, the length of Flemington straight at this guy. To be honest. Yeah. Look, and I think anyone, you know, it's those listeners who have listened to this podcast for a number of years knows i think from from james perspective and probably from my perspective as well that this is a really polarizing conversation right and and i Mm. think my own opinion is polarizing to me in that i think tom brady is probably the greatest nfl player of all time but he's not the greatest quarterback of all time and I, I don't know how to explain it, that there are better quarterbacks than Tom Brady. There are more skilled, more talented quarterbacks. Oh, but there I are some intangibles that's... that you can't, you can't uh, me- metricize. Okay. I might have made up a word. Yeah, I made up a word there. But you, you, can't, you can't attribute specific statistics to a specific metric. And I think he's got some of those things when you combine that with 
the statistics, with the record, with the resume, how do you go past that? And no, I'm you not can't. sure. I I'm mean, not sure there's a logical answer to that question, Ryan. No, there's there's no debate. He's not the most talented quarterback in the game, or even potentially top ten most I'll, talented. I'll, and and I'll add to that by saying there are there are more talented quarterbacks that never won a Super Bowl or never won an MVP oh, than oh, Tom for Brady. Sure. I don't think that's up to debate either. I think you, that's completely correct. But I don't think they're, yeah, like, like James said, I think Josh maybe knows deep down that surely he has to be classed as the greatest ever because of that winning, that winning strike rate that essentially has got the runs on the board, hasn't he? I mean, no one's ever going to get close to seven Super Bowl champions, uh, Super Bowl rings. Uh, you know, he, he's done it all. He still puts the fear of God into you. I mean, like the Rams would have been absolutely shitting bricks even with that twenty plus point lead last week, and he almost ran him down with good reason. Yeah, and and look at that. Well, I mean, he he almost ran him down, and uh, he we know how depleted they were offensively in Tampa. But look, he, he he's undoubtedly, I think, in my eyes, especially the greatest ever to go uh, to play the game, like you said, Nick. But yeah, he certainly. Far from the most talented quarterback. I mean, he just had those intangibles that you said. He's that will to win, that 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 drive, that just I don't know. He just lifted others around him. Didn't he? It was his aura, his presence. And, um, you know, when he on the biggest stage, he was as accurate as anyone was or is. But I, I think he's um, yeah. He, he he did what he needed to do to get wins on the board, and he, he leaned on that defense. You know that he always had a decent defense, and he. he he used it to his strength. Uh, you know, he never exerted, over-exerted himself to get the wins. He, he knew there was always another week, and I think that's probably why he was so successful in the playoffs as well. But, yeah, 3 out of 22 is a, a damning stat for, for someone that's got the resume that he does. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't guess, think and, and that's the question, right? And, and yeah. take out the, the specificity of yeah. that, that stat and the all-pro and whatever, but can you be the greatest of all time of any of any code of any sport if you're not the greatest at your position? And James, big basketball fan and, and off topic, but does that mean that Bill Russell is the greatest basketball of all time? Well, how many rings did Bill Russell win? 11? 11. 11 rings. I'm all, I'm always a bit of a ring guy, to be honest. Like, I think that's the That's ultimate. not the answer I expected. Different era, though, as well. I mean... <laughs> How many teams were in the NBA when Bill Russell was collecting his wins? I was going to ask you guys as well, just with Brady, what's the lasting image that you guys have? What is Brady doing? If you, if your brain allots you a 12-minute sample of Tom Brady, what's he doing in that? In, sorry, in the 12 seconds, rather. 12 minutes would be a long, a long <laughs> What's he, what's he uh, doing in that 12 seconds? I reckon, the answer, I reckon the answer between Ryan and me will be very, very different. Do you want to go first, Ryan? What's your 12-second image of Tom Brady? I think it's just making, you know, it's third down and it's, and it's you know, he's, he's behind and, and, he, and he finds a way. And, and whether it's him somehow being mobile in the pocket or if it's somehow being received downfield where he had no right to. It's just making that improbable play, I think. And, and that's kind of the, the last thing for me with Tom Brady is that no matter what, he's, if his back's against the wall, he'll find a way. And I think that's what probably rings, rings through for me. Like, he'll hit that, you know, that receiver within, you know, in double coverage or he'll, yeah, he'll somehow evade the tackle and, and, you know, get the, flip the ball out to the running back and they'll make the first down. But just, just, you know, doing something and, and making the improbable happen when, when, when back's against the wall. So usually that's when he's, yeah, chasing a lead or, um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely the greatest quarterback in terms of coming back from a, from a deficit, for sure, in my eyes. Um, so that's kind of how I, I see him. Yeah, I like not that. Shake, not shaking hands with Nick Foles. Well, 12 <laughs> seconds of disaster. Not wow. shaking hands with Nick Foles. Did, so that's, that's what happened after that Super Bowl, right, is he just, just sort of ignored him. Yeah, I don't Walked like that. Field. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. like that. Like maybe that's a bit of a traditionalist, moralist or whatever in me. Yeah, I didn't realise that. There you go. I, I did like the, the Nick Foles tweet. It was just a, it was, it was such a um, power move, wasn't it? Oh, incredible power move. Yeah. What was the difference? What did Nick Foles Nick, Nick Foles, so about 12 hours, 8 to 12 hours after Brady confirmed the retirement, yeah. Nick Foles tweeted an image of himself and Tom Brady shaking hands off, off field, okay. post-Super Bowl, shaking yeah. hands. Because Eagles fans, majority of anti-Brady fans, look back yeah. at Tom Brady losing a Super Bowl, not shaking hands as the moment, right? So, uh, yeah, look, it, Tom Brady might be the greatest competitor. Yes, that's exactly what it was. If you look at it from that lens, then you are so pissed off and so disappointed at losing a Super Bowl that you walk off without shaking hands. From a competitive perspective, if you're that type of personality, then you can probably understand that. I'm not. Yeah. So I, I don't get it, but there are there are some that and as is their right, that's fine. But uh, I don't know. I, I I think I think I'm pretty clear without spending too much time. And like I said, we're past your bedtime, James, so we won't go too long on this, but um past Tom Brady's bedtime as well. But he would have been he is he goes seventy-eight. Yeah, so but he does he, you're you're only sixty-four, he's seventy-eight. Well, and he has the TB12 diet, where my diet's a bit different to that. Like, I've got different methods <laughs> for how I maintain my excellence. But so the thanks. answer, so so we don't have we don't have a consensus for Josh Y. Uh, no, we don't. Josh, I'm sorry. You'll just have to come back next year for this discussion. Um, quarterbacks, and, and this is probably a, a good segue. Obviously, Brady has retired, and there are a number of other quarterbacks and quarterback positions that are or will become open over the next couple of months. The quarterback position in Tampa Bay is obviously, given the talent that they have on the offensive end, whether it's at receiver, at tight end, whether Gronk plays or doesn't play, at running back, there is so much talent in that Tampa Bay offense uh, that that quarterback position and, and whoever takes that role, whoever they go after to take that role is a coveted position. But there are a number of other quarterback positions across the league and a number of other quarterbacks around the league that could potentially be changing teams, changing conferences even, uh, that can shake things up enormously. Ryan, who will be the quarterback at Tampa Bay next year? And the the other quarterbacks, big name quarterbacks that are on the move, potentially. Mm. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. We, yeah, we spoke about I spoke about Aaron Rodgers last week. I know you you and Quinny were both of the opinion that he'll be in Colorado next year. Um, I wasn't quite as strong on that, but look, I could easily see him ending up there, and it's looking that way at this stage, isn't it? But the one I'm interested in, and 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 obviously Tampa are going to probably have to go all in again in, in terms of they're not going to go to the draft that for a quarterback, and they're not going to just pluck a rookie out. They're going to want well, there, there isn't there isn't starter. there isn't that guy in the draft this That's year. That's right. There's absolutely no one there in the draft this year, especially people uh, you know in the twenties like they will be. But I think Jimmy G is a decent fit there. I think he's a better fit in Pittsburgh. Uh, and that's where I probably can see Jimmy G ending up in, in, in Pittsburgh under Mike Tomlin. But I, I just think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make a really strong push to try and nab him. Um, obviously, he was Brady's backup before, and it kind of has that nice synchronicity uh, to it, I suppose, uh, that he's going to follow Brady's footsteps again here. But I don't know. I think he's a decent fit in, in either team. Obviously, the Steelers, I think, is a better fit for him because they're built very much like the San Francisco um, 49ers, whereas Tampa haven't got that that running game behind behind that passing game like, like the Steelers and the Niners do. But that defense on the Bucks can carry them a long way as well. And, and I, I just think they're going to want to plug somebody in that knows what he's doing straight off the bat. And, and Jimmy G is the obvious one without spending the fortune either. Um, I'd love to see Russell Wilson or someone end up down there. I just don't know if mm. that's going to be good. 
be the case. But yeah, I, I think um, they need to get someone established, and that's who they'll look after. So if you've got any ideas who's going to end up in Tampa Bay, I'm all ears because I'm very interested to, to watch that space. Plus, I still think they're they're built to be a, a contender again next year. Can James? Can I give you an a left field option for Tampa Bay? Yeah, Drew Lock. Oh, I, I would only reject it on the grounds of I'd be thinking more with Tampa with Bruce Arians, right? Mm-hmm. This guy's at this stage of his career who he's worked with and succeeded with previously, a big mature arms. He's got this, he, like Andy, that's probably a little bit different than Andy, but he's also a kind of a, a big swing kind of guy. I think even Jimmy G would drive Bruce Arians a little bit crazy as well. Like, I think he wants that kind of grizzled figure as well. You know, no nonsense, get it down the field kind of guy. Um, so I, I drew like I think with, with someone like Drew like I think you'd you'd need to be you need to know the ins and outs of him specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to be a big believer in what he can bring to the table. Um, Fitzmagic returned to Tampa. Well, well how old's Fitzmagic now? Too old. Sixty-eight. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I think you know, just just oh. older than you, James. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, speaking of age, in terms of the same haircut as me, I can't help but feel <laughs> Mike Lennon is. <laughs> oh, I got a quick look at Mike Lennon's record because, of course, it all started out with Tampa. He's compiled a six twenty-five record as a quarterback starter. Um. And a career rating of seventy eight point six as as a as a as a, as a quarterback rating. Andy Dalton. He, yeah, I think at least Carson Palmer when he got Carson Palmer though had sort of I don't know. This is the thing we've we've got Palmer and Brady really as the mm. ten poles for, for Arians. So it's not like we've got this massive data pool. Yeah. Of yeah. grizzled grizzly guys, if you like. What about Derek Carr? Then. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. This is the thing. Could the quarterback carousel could we could land anywhere? The, I like that. I like Derek Carr in the NFC. I reckon that would be good. I don't mind that either. James, I mean, they've got an inordinate amount of talent mm. on that offense. What are the what are the attributes? Uh, uh, let's take away play calling let's take away who the coach is what are the what are the attributes of a quarterback the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need so again I was always I was thinking through the lens of how to work with Arians because I think that is the the asset that they have I think their big strength is having balls and Arians that's what mm. suited Brady so perfectly so I'm constantly seeing it through that lens do, um, do you think do you think the Bucks with Arians without Brady are more or less successful than the Bucks with Brady without Arians so ask that again, Nick. What's what's the so point? the Bucks with Brady at quarterback with mm. any other coach, this league average coach, mm. compared to the Bucks with Arians with league average quarterback. Oh, it, you always will default to Brady. Brady with anybody really is going to be. That's the thing. So that's where I think Arians is going to have to not. There's always going to be that asterisk on Arians, right? Hey, you won it because of Tom Brady. You mm-hmm. walked into this phenomenal situation. I still think he's an excellent, excellent coach. He's proven that. For I agree. Years. I agree with you. Peyton Manning resurrecting Moribund Arizona franchise and had them the only relevant moment in their lives was 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 with with him. Um, I guess Jake Plummer would have something to say about that. In terms of, okay, who was uh, was was it Wizard Hunt was coaching Arizona to that Super Bowl? I think it was Ken Wizard Hunt uh, when they made it against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was the yeah. Larry Fitzgerald team. But I, this is the thing, Tampa. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a Florida thing or something like that. I I, I never know what how to. Maybe it's because it, I, I'd personally melt down in the in the heat there. I wouldn't want to work there, so I wouldn't know how to construct. Or where they'd, they'd go, even the pieces that they have of Godwin mm. and Mike Evans and both, or what they have again, there's concern, not concerns, but the fit. I think that was all would work perfectly for Brady, perfect toys for Brady to play with. 
Yeah. But that's not an ordinary situation to work walk into. So Bef- before I pass back to you, Ryan, I feel like this is a really perfect time to mention the fact that six or eight months before Brady chose Tampa Bay as his destination, James, I told you that Tampa Bay would be the perfect destination for Tom Brady. He did. He really did. It was a phenomenal moment. Nick was, it was truly um, ahead of his time. He, he, he saw it coming. And in terms of gambling regrets, from my perspective, even when it, when it went down, even when the move went down, that Brady was confirmed not acting upon that straight away getting on Tampa at, I think, 26 or 33 was what they That's were. To, to land Brady? No, no, no. Once, oh, win the Super Bowl Super once he was there. That's all I wanted out of that 30 <laughs> seconds. So we're more than happy. I'm more than happy to move on now. Um, but the, the quarterback, quarterback, quarterback merry-go-round, there are a number of QBs potentially in market for new jobs there are a number of franchises potentially in market for new quarterbacks are there any perfect marriages and again we don't need to spend half an hour on this but are there any perfect marriages out there and we spoke about rogers and denver rogers and the niners wilson and a number of franchises are there is there the perfect marriage for a quarterback in a franchise for one season. Let's not talk about multi-year contract, but is there a perfect marriage for one season? Russell Wilson go to go to Tampa or something like that. I think Russell Wilson, you can find, if you can find that fit, that's a perfect marriage. I'd like him in. I'd like him in Cleveland, but I don't know if he will be willing to go there. <laughs> I, I honestly think he'd be he'd be the perfect kind of guy for Cleveland. But- you know, just so cons- just a consistent quarterback for the first time ever, and to, to have that defense behind him as well as um, a really strong running game, it's built like a lot like the Seattle Seahawks were earlier in the you know in the decade, uh, early two thousand, um, early two thousand tens. I I think that's a really good fit for him. I just don't know if he would want to uh, up and leave Seattle for Cleveland, but I think they should try and make a play for him because uh, I don't know if he's going to take it. Is there is and James, we've spoken about Baker Mayfield a lot over the last, I guess, six weeks, and and where he stands in Cleveland. Is there a role for Baker Mayfield in the NFL if it's not in Cleveland? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Like, I mean, I don't like a lot of things about Baker Mayfield, but he's clearly a really good quarterback. You know, he's he's definitely has a role to play. Um, in this league, I don't know where it is. This is the thing: there's so many balls up in the air, and I don't know. I think this is this is a nice thing about the Super Bowl when it when it's over, we get that kind of next six weeks of all kind of mayhem regarding uh, free agency and trades and stuff like that. It's a, but it is. It's this. We come into that sort of seductive time of the year, and this is when the imagination runs wild. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the kingmaker, the kingmaker move. So it's all about yeah. It's that's even more than Rogers for me is is Russell Wilson to to be honest for for a number of reasons. James, I know you've got to head off, mate. Thank you for staying longer than expected. Uh, it's been great to chat with you. Um, any final thoughts from you? No, it was wonderful to be here, wonderful to be with you guys for this and enjoy the Super Bowl. Um, enjoy the next couple of weeks. Thanks, mate. We'll uh, hopefully get you back on board uh, in the next couple of weeks. Maybe get you back next week for Super Bowl preview. If not, then next year, hopefully a regular part of the show. James, thanks again for jumping on board. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Good on you, James. Thanks, mate. Thank you to James Rosewarn of statsinsider.com for joining us this week. We've got a few other things to talk about. Uh, outside of quarterbacks, obviously the head coach market, the GM market has been a moving beast over the course of the season. Uh, the, 
So job at Las Vegas has been, I guess, a role that has both been coveted, but also, I guess, been a little bit uh, feared because of the history of the Raiders, uh, especially, I guess, over the last 10 to 15, 20 years. Um, Josh McDaniels recently announced as the new head coach of the Raiders out of the Bill Belichick. One of, he's one of the disciples of Bill, that's for sure. And Yeah. I mean, he's, it's been how many hours? Every year, every year, Josh McDaniels is, is one of the, yeah. you know, one of the, the candidates of the, the next, you know, best role in the NFL. Well, he hasn't, so, he hasn't well, backed he, out of this one yet. He's, he he hasn't. The coach. <laughs> he's stage. been thereabouts for a couple of years and, and for a while. How do you make that? How do you decipher that move to Las Vegas? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like I said um, just before to you, Nick, mate, it's so weird because I didn't even know this fight happened. I only found I stumbled across this today. I know it happened now two or three days ago, and I wasn't even aware that Josh McDaniels had signed as the head coach of Las Vegas Raiders. I think I was looking up Rich Versace and, and finding out what was going on with him, and, and obviously I saw some tweets about him from the players, and I think I just wanted to investigate that a little bit further and, and realise now that Josh McDaniels is the new coach of the, of the Las Vegas Raiders, and like I said, he, he's still the coach at this stage. He hasn't backflipped on his deal as he did in the Colts um, a few years ago, so... Yeah, it's an interesting one because obviously Derek Carr and, and quite a number of other players were so outspoken about the love they've got for their the interim coach, Rick Versace, who led him to a, a playoff um, appearance. So it'd be interesting to see what he does now if he stays on as the special teams um, coach or if he does indeed move on and look for a head coaching role somewhere else. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Derek Carr now that, uh, that he has gone and if Derek Carr does look for a move or if Josh McDaniels can work with him, I think that's a good match. That's a pretty good match for those two. Uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting to see how that plays out. And I, I did see an interesting stat that I saw on Twitter today. Uh, Rich Versace, he's, um, he's, he's going to join a very elite or interesting club. So the last three teams to replace a playoff coach uh, you know, have, have made it to at least a conference title game within two years. The last three, well, the only three that have done that was North Carolina to over the then San Diego Chargers and he took them to uh, an AFC title game just one year post Sotomayor, uh, Gary Kubiak won the Super Bowl in his first year post mm-hmm. John Fox in Denver and, and Mike Rabel took Tennessee to an AFC title game within two years post Matt Malarkey. So, Interesting that, you know, there's been some success when they have replaced a coach that have made the playoffs because obviously the team's ready to win. Josh McDaniels, I think, is a really good match for, for Derek Carr and, and it'd be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. But, uh, yeah, it was very just a low-key signing, I think, and, and maybe obviously overshadowed by the whole um, lawsuits investigation going on in the NFL with, with Brian Flores. So, yeah, completely missed that one. So it came as a bit of a shock to me when I read that today, mate. But any thoughts on on Josh McDaniels to the Raiders as well from you? I think the question revolves around Derek Carr and where do the Raiders see Derek Carr in their move forward? Do they see Derek Carr as the as the long term, you know, QB for the future in Las Vegas? I don't know the answer to that yet. And, you know, that, that might become clear over the next few weeks, you know, post-Super Bowl. But uh, right now, I, I, don't have, I don't have an answer for that. Do you? No, I, I, I really don't. And, and it's, it's, it's just going to be one of those things we have to wait and see. And, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, it, it's, he obviously has had um, some experience in Denver and it didn't work out there, so... He's now back in the AC West where, where it began and he's his head coaching journey. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch. But there's still a couple of job vacancies up for grabs, uh, Houston and Jacksonville being two of them. But the biggest one is obviously, and one we, we spoke at at length this year, is the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. And there's been no real indication of who they're looking to hire at this stage. There was rumours or confirmation, I'm not too sure, that John Harbaugh 
was in Minnesota, but he's come out today and said he won't be leaving Michigan and he'll be staying in the Big Ten. Um, he would be a really good fit for Minnesota, but just don't know which way they're going to go. They've obviously got the new GM there now, so they won't be too far away from hiring uh, a candidate. I'm just not sure who it's going to be because there hasn't been much indication of who it is. So... Minnesota is an interesting one because clearly they've had, I mean, they've had some continuity over a period of time with uh, Mike Zimmer as a head coach. Obviously they've had a, a GM that's kind of, I guess, backed the head coach and, and the franchise strategy over that period of time. Where do you see the Vikings? I mean, from a, a, a Zimmer Kirk Cousins marriage that kind of, uh, from some perspectives was kind of a marriage made in heaven from another perspective, was never destined to work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, w- the Vikings, at, from a pure external level, right, like there's enough talent at that yeah. franchise to make things sure. work and maybe not to win the Super Bowl, but to at least get close and to be in that conversation, right? So now that they've made that decision and they've moved away from from Zimmer and, and the front office that they've been used to for essentially a decade, right? Um, and and we've spoken about that a number of times over the course of at least the second half of the year, but where do you see the Vikings moving forward? Well, they've, they've certainly underperformed the last couple of years. Obviously, they've missed the playoffs in a pretty weak NFC North. Obviously, the Packers have been the cream of the NFL almost during the regular season, but the Bears have been weak other than that. Um, playoff run a couple of seasons ago. I know they made the playoffs last year, but they were uh, a 500 team. Obviously, Detroit have been bad for forever. Uh, it's it's a really big opportunity for the Vikings. Obviously, they, they had that run with Case Keenum at, uh, at quarterback under Mike Zimmer. They lost that playoff game to Seattle on a missed field goal. That would have won them, uh, got them into a, a conference championship game uh, and since then they've, they've progressed and, and they've got, like you said, they've got plenty of talent. Uh, they've got a really solid defense. Uh, they've got some really huge weapons on the offensive end of the box. They've got Calvin Cook, Adam Steele and, and Justin Jefferson, who we know is mm. just a, a special, special talent. And, and Kirk Cousins, above league average quarterback, I would say. And he had one of yeah. his probably his best statistical season this year mm. uh, and, and really just didn't have that cut throw or the cut through or that killer instinct that they required and, and a lot of things went wrong with Tobin and a few other bits and pieces but I think the clean out is good uh, for the Vikings, they need a fresh start once a month um, obviously wasn't working and it had become stale the GM had been there like I said for a little while and they've now got a new one yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard, they're a hard one to read. They've obviously got an opportunity because of the talent I just, just mentioned. And especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, that, that conference, that division, I should say, wide, wide open. Uh, I don't see the Bears taking a huge leap forward next year. They're probably going favourites if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers. Uh, yeah, just with that talent on offence, especially in Minnesota, they're, they're a good destination team. It's just about finding the right fit. That probably wraps it up for tonight. Uh, we'll be back next week, Leper, for Super Bowl preview. Um, for, uh, uh, I mean, that's a hell of a matchup. Hell of a matchup from a, a number of reasons. Defense, offense, offense, defense, head coach matchup, quarterback matchup. I mean, it's a hell of a matchup. Uh Super Bowl winner, no analysis, no stats, no data. Who picking right now? Oh, I think it has to be the Rams, but uh, oh yep. God, I'd love it to be the Bengals. Yeah. Um, the year of the Tiger, isn't it? It just Yeah, it is. Years. Chinese New Year, year of the Tiger. Uh, yeah, I half agree with you. It has to be the Rams. I mean, I hope, I hope Rams it's the Rams. Sake, you, mate, you, it'll be your shout on, on Tuesday after the Super Bowl. It will be. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it will be. Um, other than that, I mean, you guys, the listeners, are going to determine, you know, what mm. we do post Super Bowl. Do you want us to come back 
the next week, the next month, and talk about off-season, free agency, drafts. You know, what do you want? What do you want to hear from us? Let us know. Uh, obviously, we are on Twitter from a podcast perspective uh, at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook at the Punt Return Podcast. We're on Instagram at NFL Podcast. You can get me at Nick Splitter, get Lepper at Ryan Lepore. Tell us what you want to hear. Uh, Lepper, it's been your first year on this show. Uh, I've been doing it for a couple of years with with Josh, obviously, before and, and with James. But your first year, what are your reflections oh, on the getting year? Getting all sentimental, are we? Already. So far, we've, had a, we've, we've had a few whiskeys. Let's, uh, yeah, we have. Let's do nah, it. it's, nah, like, uh, it's been a hell of a ride. I've, I've absolutely loved every minute of it. And I uh, appreciate you sticking by us. You know, we have the, the, a certain group of, of listeners that we have every week, so we do appreciate it. And anyone that tunes in any time, yeah, we certainly appreciate you listening and, and all the engagement you give us in social media. We probably love hearing your thoughts. But, yeah, I've had an absolute ball me, mate. So, yeah, I can't thank you enough for having me and inviting me on the show. And, and hopefully uh, I've made, made the Joshes proud to, to continue the, the punt return legacy. So, yeah, I've, I've been absolutely loving every minute of it mate and like you said we do it because we love it and it's a passion of ours so yeah we'll, we'll be back every week that you listen to us essentially so yeah please tell us if you want to want us to do a, a one or two shows post super bowl or if we if you've heard enough of us and you want us to shut up for a while but um no nah, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure Nick. so yeah can't thank you enough mate thank you no, no, it's it's been a pleasure, and, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So tell us, you know, what do you want to hear from us over the off season or preseason? Uh, you know, we'll be back next week for Super Bowl. Jump on Twitter, jump on Facebook, jump on Instagram, talk to us, chat with us, slam us, praise us, whatever you want to do. We're happy anyway. Uh, we just want to hear from you. So at Nick Splitter, at Ryan Lapore, at Punt Return Podcast, at NFL Podcast on Instagram. Uh, just get at us and chat. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye.